So this is a movie that you guys will like? I thought it was okay. Oh, baby, that was good. I am stupid. I like to cook slop. Do you want to top that slop? Thought we were going to have fun here. Yes, queen. Down with guilty pleasures, up with pleasure pleasures. Did we talk you into... Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other and maybe even you into liking what we like. And this week is our 175th episode, and we're talking Jimmy into Andy Kaufman. My name is Jeff, and there are very rare instances you should ever toast a fresh bagel. My name is Jimmy, and the Mona Lisa is a disappointment. That was really funny. <laughs> I'm Richie, and I was once top 2% in Overwatch. My name is Dan, and my unofficial romantic title is The Snuggle King. <laughs> if I have to gain composure. That was a good one. <laughs> Why didn't you go last for that? Why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I think you broke me. <laughs> Jeff's fun fact is that he, he died. <laughs> Dan, when you have one that funny, you have to volunteer to go last. I didn't you think it was going to be that big of a hit. That was, <laughs> it's pretty good. I don't even know. Where did that... Who calls you the Snuggle King? Well, uh, <laughs> a woman that I'm no longer seeing referred to me as the Snuggle King. And now I've I've said it to other women as a joke. <laughs> I would not be telling other women that one woman called you the snuggle king. You're going on dates and you're like, my name is Dan, but this other one that I used to see called me the snuggle king. If it comes up like someone's like, oh, I love to snuggle or I love a good snuggle, I'll say like, oh, I've been referred to as the snuggle king. And then people these... refer to me as cool, yeah, exactly. awesome, that hot, one. video games, the hottest, and real, real hot. Listen, I've got a lot of negative qualities, but one thing I'm quite good at is snuggling. Oh, oh man, that was I'd really love to good. snuggle one day. Jimmy, that's not right. <laughs> yep. Do we have any reviews? I don't know, Dan Snuggle King. How do I refer to you now? I don't know. Just Dan is fine. <laughs> <clears throat> we do. It's like when you're superheroes, but you don't want to call each other by your real names. So you have to call each other like Iron Man. Yeah. Now we just got to refer to Dan as the Snuggle Gang. There's that great <laughs> sequence in uh, in Infinity War where he's like, I'm Doctor Strange. He's like, oh, we're using code oh, names? We're using, yeah. I'm we're Spider-Man. using our fake names. Yeah. I'm Snuggle King. <laughs> Jeff, you had a fun fact, too. Oh, that's a Dan line. Add it to I the know. bingo square. <laughs> I yeah, necessarily so don't. Are, I don't remember. What are your guys' uh, takes on toasting bagels? Oh, right, right. Um, you mean like fresh bagels? Fresh or bagels. Like, uh... no, I'm not talking about frozen BS bagels. I'm talking about a real fresh bagel. Are you talking about re- re-toasting them or just Jimmy toasting is them so confused. Oh, my God. Jimmy, you know a bagel? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. But say, like, I went to a, a bagel place and I order a toaster. So Are you talking you, about like, if you go it? to well, a Jeff, bagel shop, 
How do you Jeff. order your bagels, Dan? Okay. Dan, I'm Jeff, having a conversation. Let me with jump in yes, because please. Jimmy's failing at this. <laughs> First of all, we have a problem because I don't think Jimmy eats cream cheese, and he probably doesn't even enjoy bagels that much. I love bagels, but I don't like cream cheese. Uh, so then you cannot even have a conversation. Jimmy, turn off your wrong. mic. This is an adult conversation right now. <laughs> yeah. Um. See, I, I'm, I disagree with you. I like a nice toast. I will say I don't like to take it as far as most places do. Like if I go to a bagel shop and I order like a bagel toasted with cream cheese, I always think they over toast it. I like my bagel toasted just enough where there's some texture, but not color. See, I don't I don't think so. If you're getting especially just cream cheese like, OK, here's why I made this a fun fact. I've been going and getting bagels every weekend. Me and my wife love them. There's a couple. Where do you uh, go? Uh, I've been going to Ami's lately, but Kettle Bay yeah, is also great. Ami's, Ami's is really good, and they're perfect. They're boiled and then baked, and they're soft inside and crispy mm. on the outside. Mm. And I, I, think, I think they're, they're overrated. Okay, well, it's really? still a great bagel. Whatever. My point Over-boiled, is... Overboiled, underbaked. Whenever I go there, I ask for I love that toaster. we have strong opinions on bagels. Because I, I want I want the crunch of, of the crust. <laughs> I want the doughiness inside. And I want it to be cold. And I want the... Yeah. Not, not like... Like if it just comes out of the oven, totally different than toasting it. But when you cut open that fresh, perfect bagel, and then you toast it, you're just getting the outside crustier the inside that's so soft and doughy is getting gross and then the, the cream cheese temperature is changed like the schmear is amazing that they make there so why would you not and it's like when i go there and i say not toasted please and then i toast it first of all you're getting my order wrong so that's a problem and then you're doing an extra step so today i go there i get two bagels for my wife three bagels for me right because we're we want breakfast tomorrow and and so i order her two bagels i say not toasted i order uh Two of my bagels, I say, not toasted. I order another bagel. I was like, I want just the bagel. Don't even cut it. Don't even toast it. Just because I was going to How much of this order do we have to listen to? The entire thing. I'll tell you all the types. No, (laughs) they toasted every single one of them except. Yeah, Yeah, that's because you're a pain in the ass with your order. Except for the bagel that was hot. How am I a pain in the ass? I'm saying, excuse me, please do not do this extra step. No, you're a pain in the ass because you're like. You're very specific about which ones, and for, uh, also yeah, your argument is flawed you because your argument is flawed because an Ami's bagel is already more bready, like chewy, than a regular bagel. Yeah. So to have it untoasted is just like biting into a ball of bread. No, it's, it's as not. if you took half a loaf of Wonder Bread, rolled it into a ball, and just bit even into if I it. go to Kettle, I order not toasted unless sometimes sometimes if I just get butter, maybe I'll toast it so the butter's melty, but. Uh, uh, Forget about you guys. This we're over. We're done. Next segment, please. Next segment. I like a good French toast bagel toasted with butter. That's what I get. The last bagel I got was French toast, so I could take it home and toast it with. Oh, butter. you guys are both dumb. That's baby food. Well, yeah, you like an everything bagel with cream cheese and locks and capers and onions. I do love an, an everything bagel. Yeah, too. but you could also have a sweet bagel too. I got it to put. We're already done with this. It's over. It's over. (laughs) I brought it back. I'm sorry. Fellas. Okay. That was romantic. (laughs) Yeah. This is a part of the show where we talk ourselves into things and we tell each other those things that we have talked ourselves into and other things that we might have. I don't know what I'm saying. Very Um, good. This is a weird one. You got it. You guys have to stay with me for this because it is a journey. Let's do it. 
I've talked myself into finding God. And here's here's why. Wow. Here's why. So I briefly mentioned before we recorded, I'm not going to get into it on the show. Not much to talk about. Um, looking to buy a house with my wife. So we were going to see uh, a bunch of houses and, you know, varying degrees of quality, varying degrees of prices. So we go to see this one house and it's uh, it's it's one floor. There's no upstairs, but there's a downstairs. The downstairs is what they call an in-law suite, which is kind of just like a little apartment. They have a full kitchen, a full bathroom, like a dining room, living room, bedroom area-ish. Yes, we're familiar with in-law apartments. Well, listeners might not be. So it's like a little- Watch more HGTV listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you should. Um, So, and there's like this huge walk-in cedar closet. We were like, okay, in the house overall, I wasn't into it anyway, so we weren't going to make an offer or anything, but we're looking. And then we go in, there's a door and it's an unfinished area. And you open the door and it only opened like halfway. And there was like this big uh, shelf behind it. And my my wife was wearing my daughter as a backpack, as she do. (laughs) And she couldn't quite squeeze in. So I was like, whatever, I'm just going to go look, check the furnace, all that stuff. See, you saw God in there. (laughs) Almost. (laughs) So I walk in and. You know, like the whoever lives there wasn't there right then, but there was this shelf and there were these uh, six wine glasses and then a seventh wine glass in front, all filled with like crystal clear water. And there was a candle placed behind it that was lit. So they attend it daily. It looks like it's a lit candle. And there was like a picture of a loved one who presumably passed in some other stuff. And I was like, oh, this is like a shrine to somebody that right. they lost. And then I was like, oh, Lindsay, pop your head in here and look at this. This is pretty interesting. And she looked and then because um, she could like poke her head in. And then we looked on the ground and there were like these two Tupperware things on the ground. And one of them was filled with water and had like a cigar in it. And I was like, that, first I thought it was for like cats. I was like, who this cat water is filthy. Why are they doing that? And then the other one. She describes it as looking like a sea urchin, and I describe it as looking like a wig. And I was like, what's going on here? And it was like, there was some other like decorations and flowers and stuff in there. I was like, this is kind of weird. So when you go into the room, there's another, it's well lit. There was another room. You have to walk around the wall. And I saw like the, um, the electric board on the wall. It's going over to look at it. There's no light. So I take out my flashlight. I look at the electric panel, looks fine. And then I'm going along the wall and I see that there's some Tupperware on the floor with water in it. And I was like, is there something leaking? Like I'm looking up on the wall and there was like some kind of pipe there, but it didn't look to be leaking. And I looked down on the ground again and in the Tupperware, there was like a ginger root or turmeric root, some kind of, it looked like a yucca and then some other kind of leaves like sage or something. And I was like, what the f- is this sorry jim and in my head i was like should i leave like what's going on and i knew there was gonna be something weird and the realtor was behind me he was now looking at the electric board as my flashlight goes along the wall what what do you think i found again another fucking tupperware sorry jim another tupperware on the ground filled with water i don't even know what was in it because next to that in this empty room so there was no storage nothing it was unfinished but immaculate so whoever put this stuff here placed it here strategically for a reason a shrunken head 
I was like, I got, I got to get out of here. I have to leave. I have to get out of here. The feeling of unease that just sunk through me. Everything was going, all the pieces clicked in that one moment. The weird shrine, the, the leaves that they were encanting with spirits or something. I was like, I got to get out of here. I have to leave. And Lindsay, Lindsay's like, what's wrong? And I was like, there's a shrunken head over there. We got to get out of here. And she's like, sure, being insensitive. And I was like, to who? Voodoo people? I got to get out of here. And I was just like, we're not buying this house. Let's just leave. And she's like, well, I want to see this other room. I was like, do you like the house anyway? We're not buying, whatever. We got to go. So then the realtor comes to me and he's like, well, it's not a real shrunken head. Voodoo dolls aren't real humans, but I don't want to be near them, Gary. I can't decide if this is insensitive or, or 100% called no, for. No, because that's what Lindsay said, too. She's like, you're being insensitive. And I was like, I don't know. Like, at first... I was on board to say, like, this is just racist pedagogy from Jeff until the shrunken head. Now I'm like, mm, Exactly. <laughs> Me, too. So I didn't have these feelings until I saw the shrunken head. So then I'm like, we're outside. I'm like... I understand the thing to like a family member. It seems like uh, maybe like a Roman Catholic thing, right. some kind of like mysticism, which well, I still Buddhists don't have keep with. shrines. Well, yeah, too that too. But Hindus do offer. But I'm familiar with Catholicism too, so I was like, yeah, it's some kind of thing like that. So then, as I did some more research, that shrine is called a boveda, and it is an ancestral altar that okay. helps you commune with the dead. And it could either for be- what religion. It's either some sort of Christian mysticism, a sect of Christianity, or Santeria. Oh, yeah. Which is like a form of like African mixed with Hispanic um, religions and stuff. But like it's it's usually done just to commune with spirits and stuff. But like, or I don't want to F with that. And also Bovedas, they believe that if you put it, they believe that you put the remains of your family member under a sink so they can travel through your pipes. And I was like, is there a body in that house? We have to go back. Or it could be um, a shrine to j like the character from Major League worshipped. <laughs> That's pretty good. I, but, dude, I just felt uneasy. And, and going back to what I first said, when we were in the car, I was like, Lindsay, we have to call my mom. She has to bless me and you and the baby just in case. Just in case this voodoo thing is real, I would like the guiding hand of God to protect me. Yeah, but you've often acknowledged that your mom maybe isn't on the right path of worship. I mean, she's an evangelical, so that's as scary as shrunken heads yeah. in a basement. But you want her to bless you? And then I'm like, did, did they set it up because they don't want to sell the house because there were people renting? And I'm like, uh, it was just maybe. so spooked. Dude, I felt so uneasy for like three days. I love your mom. Don't get me wrong, but she's probably the type of person she's, that she's prays the every night that your daughter doesn't grow up to be a lesbian. No, <laughs> she's the kind of she's the kind of Christian that people don't like Christians because of. Exactly is right. what I'll say. So, so where in this process did you find God? Because it sounds like you didn't find God. It sounds I, like you ran away from something that you didn't understand. I, I, I was looking to find God for a few days, and then I realized that all of it is fake. Oof. Cool. You've come a long way, baby. <laughs> Jimmy. Oh, boy. Jimmy, would you let your ancestors travel through toilet pipes that you poop in? No, but I am talking myself into a beverage substitute called LaCroix. Oh. Beverage substitute, so it's not a beverage? <laughs> well, it's a substitute soda for substitute. soda. Healthier gotcha. alternative. Yes. On the count of three, what is your favorite LaCroix flavor? Uh, One, two, three. 
That's too fast. One, two, three. Tangerine. Why? Oh, I was just going to ask him. Jeff, you suck. Why would you say one, two, three for one person? He could just say it whenever. No, I like the line. I so love how Jeff best. proposed it and didn't give a response. Oh, the peach one is probably mine. It's peach is pretty good. Too. What a letdown. They're all good. Um, but yeah, I like I like peach. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to cut out the soda, the soda, trying, the to, live, <laughs> trying to live a healthier lifestyle. And uh, I like the bubbles. I feel like the bubbles are as close to it's a very carbonation. effervescent. Yeah. yeah, it's close. It's close to the carbonation of like a can of soda. It's in got my a nice opinion. sting to it. I was yeah. a I was a Lacroix boy for quite a while. Yeah, you like it? I'm off that fizz game now, but yeah, it was good. Mm. Uh, bigger question: Is it Lacroix or is it Lacroix? Uh, for our friends up north, I don't know. I just I say Lacroix. They they just came out with a cola flavor. And Ooh. it is repugnant. That sounds dreadful. <laughs> that sounds pretty bad. Yeah, it's like the essence of a Pepsi. It's yeah. weird. But yeah, I've been liking it. Um, I've been trying to cut out the soda, so that's what I'm doing. Mm. Dan, what are you talking yourself into this week? This week, I have something big that you guys can't wow. connect with me on. Uh-oh. Oh, really? I can't talk you into this. Do you want to know why? Why? Because this week, I'm talking myself into removing my finger cyst oh my god is it actually happening it's happening i have waited for this day for so long <laughs> like a decade this is something you guys can't do this is a path you cannot come along <laughs> with me on wow okay okay i'm really excited right now we've talked about it on the show before but if you're a new listener or you missed the episode or you don't remember weird little things by the way jeff and jimmy have not heard anything about this yet no i haven't but, i think you told me but, but the yeah. backstory before dan so rudely interrupted me interrupting him him is that he has this like a fatty lump. growth like some lump it's not dangerous it's whatever on his index finger so like when you shake his hand it touches you and it's like there's a t- there's a smile face tattooed on it and smile it's just, face also known as a smiley face yeah but yeah but i call it a smile face because that that's my new thing smile face guy cool uh it's just gross so dan what prompted this it's been well over a decade so Long story short, when this initially started appearing, I saw a doctor because I'm not an animal. I wanted to make sure it wasn't anything terrible. And he was like, listen, it's a fatty cyst. It started out from playing guitar, putting a lot of pressure, holding a guitar pick and like fluid got under it, blah, 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 blah. He's like, if you want to get rid of it, you can, but it'll take a little while to heal. You might not be able to hold a guitar pick there for like a couple weeks. And I was in a band that was playing all the time, like every single weekend and multiple practices. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then I just got lazy and who wants to go to the doctors for no reason? So I just left it. Well, recently I had this weird thing show up on my eyelid that I wanted to get checked out by a dermatologist. So I went there and she was like, oh yeah, we can take care of that. That's no big deal. And then I said, while I'm here, what do you think about this? (laughs) And she passed out. (laughs) She was like, her job. She was like, whoa, that's interesting. She's like, usually (laughs) they don't appear like that. She was telling me about like different types of growth on fingers and how they're pretty rare to be that size and stuff. And, uh, yeah, she's going to lop it off for me. She's like, it's a pretty minor thing. We just put a little cut in there, pull the thing out, stitch it back together. It'll be like two or three stitches. So I had to make an appointment. And in a few weeks, I will be going and getting my sixth finger on my right hand sliced off. I am so happy. Here's the question. Are you saving it? If they give me the option, I will be presenting it to Jeff. As a gift, for they usually do that for like bones. Like you could take bones, yeah. Or like weird, but like I don't fat. know. I what forgot to do? ask if they're gonna like let me. Well, I watch a lot of Doctor Pimple Popper, and <laughs> usually these things are pretty self-contained. Like it, it will probably come out as like a ball shaped, like how it is shaped on my finger. 
And if that's the case, you're getting it, buddy. <laughs> I'll literally kick it out of your hand. I don't. You'll want take it. it out of the bottle and then just like. What if I it. swallow it and I start growing oh. them all over myself? So the other thing I was cool. gonna try to do. Wish I didn't say that. The other thing I was gonna try to do, depending on if it's allowed, is this might become a Patreon exclusive video. Oh no. Oh. I mean, there's a lot of pop people out there that like Dr. Pimple Popper. Oh. It's very successful. I don't want to have to record. I'll this. do it, Jimmy. I'll do it. I, I need. To, I'm so emotionally attached to this journey. I'll do it. We'll have to find out if it's possible. If you guys can be there. If not, if worse comes to worse, I can shoot it on my cell phone. <laughs> but we're gonna see. There's more to come on this. That's though, folks. such a good idea. I'm talking myself into removing my finger cyst. Andrew Jeffrey Kaufman, known by his stage name Andy Kaufman big stretch there it is a big stretch was a i call him a comedian call him a performance artist yeah he's a he was a performer he was an entertainer he was a funny man song and dance man he did love song and dance he was a huge fan of elvis and he eventually did uh an elvis impersonation which was very popular Mm. um his most mainstream success was on the television show Taxi, which ran from the late 70s, early 80s mm-hmm. with Danny DeVito, Tony Danza, a bunch of other people you've seen that I can't remember their names. <laughs> um, he was on early episodes of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Um, back when Saturday Night Live had less of a format. Um, right. You, the last, you know, 35 years or so, it has a pretty... uniform structure yeah exactly pretty uniform structure which is exactly what i was going to say dan um but back then it was a little more loose and he would do some weird stuff Um, it would also come on with like the muppets for no reason yeah well jim henson was a huge part of snl um before like he was really i didn't know that that's uh yeah um and so what jeff's alluding to is andy kaufman would come on and do like a weird skit yeah i'm i'm somewhat familiar with those i've never seen them but Right, and, and a lot of those are in the playlist, which is in the show notes. So we're going to get more in depth with all of that in the second half of this episode. Mm-hmm. But this half is just kind of to introduce the audience and Jimmy um, to Andy Kaufman. Um, so I know that, Jimmy, you said that you're interested in this because you don't know anything about him except for, like, he's known for being this avant-garde comedian. Yes. So what's crazy is, like, he was he was at the forefront of like this weird, like alternate comedy scene. If you want to call it, you know, there's like Tim and Eric. Yes. Are like your generation, yeah. not mine. Cause I'm older than no, <laughs> our generation. Like, like, Oh, this is some weird out yeah. there comedy and stuff. But like, to me, Andy Kaufman was a huge inspiration to people like them. And he would do stuff very subtly and not, not even things that are funny, but he would just present things in a way that were awkward, that were controversial yeah. for yeah. the sake of controversy. And he wasn't afraid of people hating him. The and, one I'm familiar with is uh, in the middle of his special, it just went to static. So people would, uh, yeah, that's a so people would try and tune their channel to uh, to get it to work or something, right? And if you've seen the biopic Man on the Moon with Jim Carrey, a lot of his classics are in there like that, and him yeah. trying to explain to the executives why to do it because he had this <laughs> this special on TV, um, and he just thought it was funny. Like, yeah, that's, that's that is guy, funny. That's the kind of thing where 
when you're when you're on a stage in front of an audience like as a comedian i have never done this but when you tell a joke you know instantly whether it's funny and you nailed it Mm. or it bombs there's Mm -hmm. laughter that's the response andy kaufman didn't need that he didn't want that reaction he was desiring confusion I think he was eliciting some sort of an emotional response. Correct. Which but, laughter but, is one option, but hatred and vitriol is another. Right. Mm. He is, you know, he's the master troll and he did it so well and on such a a large scale yeah. that even today people aren't really sure of certain things. Um, the big one is whether he faked his own death. Yeah. Um, and we're going to get to that a little bit later. Yeah, I wanted to read back to conspiracy theories. I wanted to read a quote from Andy Kaufman about his method of entertaining. Um, At one point in a in a rare introspective interview, he said, "I am not a comic. I have never told a joke. The comedian's promise is that he will go out there and make you laugh with him. My only promise is that I will try to entertain you as best as I can." Mm. And he he did have a show at Carnegie Hall where he was playing music. He was doing weird stuff like there was a a famous thing where he would like talk to his grandmother. And when he was at Carnegie Hall, uh, his grandmother was actually Robin Williams in a wig. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know that Robin Williams was involved in that. Um, And we should talk about a lot of his early work was consist was based around impressions and characters, sometimes strange. And he was spotted doing a foreign man character who was just you know, spoke broken English and was confused mm. about things. And that was the part that got adapted into the television show Taxi Driver. Oh, okay. As Latka. That Makes was sense. basically his foreign man character. Right. And that was going back to SNL. There's there's a clip in the playlist where it's his performance on SNL. And he's he wasn't well known back then. He was just a guy that got on Saturday Night Live. And he does the voice and he's stumbling over his words and he's confused and he's missing stuff and he looks like he's sweating and this is live tv so people in the audience people at home think this guy's bombing yeah and then he just like nails what he's doing Mm -hmm. people die he just built up this anticipation without even saying a word and then just with his body language everything just clicked he also had a lot of long-term, long-running bits that went on through large portion of his careers. So, Jeff, what do you think of when you think of some of his long-running ideas? The, the one that uh, hit me personally was the the wrestling um, mm. troll, which which it was. Um, that's why we're going to watch I'm From Hollywood, which is a VHS. It was a movie that Andy Kaufman started to make prior to his death in 1984 they started making it in 1983 where he was compiling a lot of tv appearances and just raw video and stuff about um what we'll talk about in a minute and he passed in 1984 and his girlfriend at the time and another friend completed it in 1989 and released it on vhs i bought this vhs in a grocery store in 1999 when they re-released it probably like in with coincide with man yeah because it was like he was coming back into like culture and it was a big thing and you know around that time the few movies i had on vhs were the original star wars trilogy and this and every day (laughs) after school i would come home and watch one of those four tapes on repeat 
mm. nonstop. So we should say, like, basically, he became enamored with the idea of eliciting a negative response from his yes. audience. So the way he did this was to turn himself into the ultimate wrestling heel or bad guy. <laughs> right. So he would only wrestle women. So he was oh, the intergender champion. He would he would egg women on to wrestle him on David Letterman's show, just in public. And um, some he, he portrayed himself as this Hollywood elitist, yeah. like thinks he's better than everyone. A lot of times he made fun of wrestling fans, called them hillbillies. And that gets like into that. the Jerry Lawler right. stuff, but like the intergender stuff. So he would wrestle women on TV and, you know, some of them were real, but some of them were planted or, you yeah. know, fakes to get this. And people just assumed that this was just him doing his thing. Yeah. At this time, he was talking a lot about misogynistic ideals like this was during the women's lib movement and women were interested in proving that they were equal to men. Yeah. And he was like, you'll never be equal to us physically. And he would ask <laughs> and, and any woman to challenge him. He's not like in peak physical shape. No. He's like my, he's like <laughs> he's my like shape. He's a doughy mid 30s yeah. guy balding yeah um and he would go on uh david letterman's show a lot and it was a question for a long time whether david letterman was in on it or not and he started the feud with jerry lawler who people of our age know as just like this a host of like wwf raw but in the 70s he he was was a big time wrestler jerry so they they started the feud and on david letterman's show uh he suplexes him and breaks (laughs) andy coffin's neck so he's walking around in public always but again with uh neck brace on did he break his neck oh was it planned was it fake there's also a famous slap across the face that people can't tell if was real or not and what i like about andy kaufman and and i'll get a little bit into his other long running bit that i loved but um we should say that he would never break ever so nobody knows if Jerry the King Lawler was in on it, if David Letterman was in on it, if they really hated each other, if he was really beaten up, yeah. it's left ambiguous. His uh, collaborator and co-writer, Bob Zamuda, refuses to reveal the secrets. Yeah. Well, interestingly, sometimes he will reveal, but then other times he'll reveal the exact opposite. Oh. Still to this day. Yeah. He still goes on about what ifs. Yeah. Um, my thing that I turn to a lot about long running bits is Tony Clifton. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same. So Tony Clifton, whether you choose to believe or not, is a different person than Andy Kaufman, <laughs> who is a lounge singer, Yeah, who is very rude and crass towards the audience, and basically is not that good of a lounge singer. Just a uh, misogynistic, cigar yeah. smoking, overweight. Yeah, washed up has been. Like New York transplant to Florida. Just- yeah. Dirty, leisure suit wearing, mustache, aviator sunglasses. And he basically, if you hear him tell it, he didn't even like Andy Kaufman. Mm. But for some reason, we no one knows really why, Andy owed him a favor. And he forced Tony Clifton into like good positions. Like Tony Mm. Clifton was given guest starring roles in Taxi. Now, what we've been told by films and other people is that tony clifton was andy kaufman it was an act oh however and and for a while there was an evolution of the character which is in the playlist where like yeah it's obviously andy kaufman wearing like you know the leisure suit but then he starts wearing big glasses and a mustache even prosthetic weight he starts getting prosthetics so it got to the point where he wanted to prove so bad that it wasn't him that 
he had Bob Zamuda supposedly dress up like Andy Kaufman and they showed up in the same place at the same time. So people thought they were talking to Andy Kaufman as Tony Clifton. And, and then, then Andy, Andy Kaufman, Kaufman walks up. up. <laughs> this is weird. And to this day, uh, what, some 35 years after his death, Tony Clifton is still making appearances places, which leads to the further confusion. Is this somebody playing Tony Clifton? Is Andy alive? Yeah. People have assumed that Tony Clifton is now portrayed by Bob Zamuda, but Bob Zamuda denies all this. Oh, this is weird. <laughs> this is going to get weird. Very weird. How did Andy awesome. Kaufman uh, supposedly die? He had cancer. Oh, okay. So he was actually, he died at 35, which is eerie because it's a year older than me. <laughs> and to me, he's just like this, uh, this monolith of a, <laughs> of an entertainer. Yeah. He's such a hero and he, he was doing this stuff younger than me. Um, you know, he probably started in his early twenties, mid twenties when he rose to fame. Well, anti-fame. I yeah. don't know what you want to call it. Um, <laughs> Infamy. He's loved and hated. He is because he would do things like he took the entire theater out for milk and cookies. He <laughs> he hired buses to pick people up and drive them to like after a, Carnegie Hall. They yeah, to like a and diner, and he served them milk and cookies. He would do these weird big things. And to juxtapose, he's also ended comedy shows early. By forcing the reading of The Great Gatsby on people, he would just stop in the middle and read because the entire he, book. He, people would think that they were getting one thing. They would go to see Andy Kaufman perform and like, do the Mighty Mouse thing that he or did on do SNL. Latka. Yeah, because he was, fam- he was famous for Latka, the character, yeah. on Taxi. And he would show up and like, I don't want to do it. He's like, let me do my own thing. Then he just stops and he reads an entire book. And doesn't stop. Or he does his entire set as a children's birthday performer and sings kids songs and plays acoustic guitar and never does any of his bits or characters. That's awesome. And he's and the 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 best part about this is that all of his performances to me are like crying wolf because when he Mm. does this stuff and then he goes on an interview, you never know what's real. Um, There's a video of him going on David Letterman. He was, he was on Letterman quite a lot throughout his career um, in the playlist where he shows up and he's not smiling. He's telling this story about how his, his girl's leaving him and he's not doing well. And people are laughing at him and he's, he looks, he's, he's insisting like, yeah, he's like, that he's upset and that it's this, real. <laughs> this is real. Why are you doing this to me? Um, and you don't know, like we can assume it's an act and it's I really think us. his favorite reaction was that uncomfortable cringy laughter where people are laughing but they don't know if they should be yeah and yeah. especially in this video we're going to talk about that more there's something that comes up that's very um what's the word controversial foreshadowing oh yeah of his future oh. um there's there's also yeah it's I love the man <laughs> he just he makes you think and he does things that people still today are too afraid to do right and he takes because he yeah. he didn't care about reputation um he 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 wanted people to hate him so that other people would laugh and he just liked that he was getting you know if you have an audience of people on their feet screaming at you mm-hmm. you're listening as much emotional response and giving them arguably as much entertainment as them sitting there laughing with you yeah they're still engaged for that entire performance that's true that's true so Jim, I think you've mentioned you don't have a lot of exposure. Yeah, I'm excited for this. This is gonna be this is gonna be a fun one. So one, one go into this just knowing what we told you. Yeah, and also the the big thing before we go to the break is that 
He died in 1984 and people still today think that he may not have died. Um, Mm. You will see that in a few times coming up in the playlist. We put videos in there and some audio um, that might touch on this. Yeah, Bob Zamuda just recently wrote a book with uh, Andy's wife. Were they married? I believe they were, yes, or his girlfriend. Um, The Truth Finally, I believe it's called. And guess what? There's not really a lot of truth. (laughs) I'm sure. But he keeps perpetrating like, I don't know, maybe he's alive and all. Andy would never break the joke. Exactly. He would never break the bit. And maybe that's the ultimate punchline. Yeah. So check out the playlist. And when we come back, we'll be spoiling, if that's possible, (laughs) Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. Yeah, we're doing an episode on Andy Kaufman. Okay. He's, he's a guy. He's a comedian, an entertainer, some would say. I would say that he's probably more of an entertainer than comedian because he doesn't necessarily uh, always go for the laughs. It's very interesting. Oh. Yeah. Fellas, what's your exposure to Andy Kaufman? I've heard the name. Like, I know he's been in, the, like, there was a movie about him. Yeah, the Jim Carrey movie. Oh, yeah. I know he was, like, somehow connected to Saturday Night Live back in the day. Right, yeah. So he was this guy. He was very avant-garde, and he had some, like, weird, like, TV specials and stuff, too. Like, I remember that there was this special where um, it would just, like, go to static because he wanted people to start moving the knobs. And uh, it it was very interesting. It was a very interesting guy. Sounds artsy-fartsy. Yeah, he's pretty artsy-fartsy. But, yeah, I'm... I have this whole thing planned out. Um, I think that you guys are going to really like it. Um, I'm not going to get into it too much in this half. Um, I just kind of want to sprinkle in a little bit here. So, what and there are you giving and, us? Uh, like a video playlist? Yeah. So, I'm going to give you a video playlist. Um, and yeah, I think you guys are going to. So, this really is episode like 150. Yeah. Episode this was 150, last yeah. week. We this was a surprise. Yes. We left the episode. You didn't even tell us. You didn't tell anybody else. I know. And now I'm not telling you that much now. (laughs) So this is a big one for you. So you really like Andy Kaufman. Yeah. I'm a really, really big Andy Kaufman fan, guys. Um, I mean, I I know like that people are like into him and he's inspired a lot of people. For sure. But I don't really know like the content, like what you can be a fan of. Right. So there was like this weird thing, too, where he was like a wrestler for a little bit which is kind of weird okay and he was like trying to like get people to wrestle him and like he was very misogynistic as like a joke i'm assuming i yeah, hope so that's so misogyny and sexism <laughs> is so funny jim yeah it was pretty funny this at the is time. gonna be tough dan's weird not really into this right now yeah i don't know um, i'm excited though i mean i've heard the name i've heard yeah. you talk about him. you've been a fan for a while yeah i've been a really big fan for a long time um yeah, I'm stoked to have this episode finally. Um, I know I've been like knocking this around for a lot of a lot of the talk me into, and we're at episode 150, so I'm glad we're finally able to do it. What better place than here? What better time than now? All hell can't stop us now. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm gonna have you guys watch the video playlist, and when okay. we come back, we're going to talk about it, and it's gonna be interesting. Dope. I don't know what to expect. Andy Kaufman is a funny man, apparently. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We're going to talk about it. That's what we learned. Yeah, we learned that Andy Kaufman's a funny boy. 
So uh, Dan and Jeff gave me a playlist of a bunch of YouTube clips. Obviously, these are all pre-YouTube. They're from the late 70s, early 80s. And uh, we watched them. And so our first clip was, um, was it his first appearance on SNL or just uh, a random One of them it was from November 8th, 1975, mm-hmm. which is like a month after Saturday Night Live premiered. Oh, wow. So it was still pretty early on. Yeah, that's crazy. So he started off... Um, this was his foreign man, foreign man character that you guys were talking about. Yeah, and uh, I thought the voice was great, um, and I like that the audience didn't quite get it, uh, right? But, but they're still going along with it, because which is cool. At this time, SNL had like stand-ups on. Yeah, sometimes like in lieu of musical guests or with them. So I, I'm really interested to know if even people at home, because it was live, knew what was going on or knew that it was like a joke and he wasn't an actual stand-up. Yeah, it felt um, super awkward, but still um, like positive. It's it's kind of a weird thing. Yeah. You can't help but smile at his enthusiasm of like this this confused sort of but good natured guy telling like a super mundane story and doing doing bad imitations. Um, the other thing I thought of when we watched the foreign man stuff is. It doesn't come off as problematic to me, even in this day and age when, you know, we're more sensitive to like, you know, making fun of people with accents and stuff. I think a lot of it is that it's such a generic foreign man. Like, it's not like anybody specifically. It's kind of like no, Robin Williams did the same thing. And there's too. no stereotypes. Yeah, that's, yeah. To me, that's it is he doesn't punch down. So he's never um, playing the foreign man character as stupid or bad or. Or mm-hmm. portraying any like negative stereotypes, like you said, Jeff. He's just naive. He's just naive and innocent, yeah. which is sort yeah. of refreshing. He's just like this good-natured guy like, with a funny accent. Like when he asked to stop the tapes, and at this time it's promoted as a live show. Like, <laughs> yeah. Everybody's excited, like, wow, this is crazy that it's live and not pre-recorded. It's so good. And it's it's really funny. And then he starts crying because he messes up. Yeah, and, the crying is amazing. And that turns into him playing on the congas. and Which is so fun. Very fun. Because he never has to come out and be like, this is the gag or like bow at the end. You understand the joke because it turns into absurdity. So you're like, even if you went through that whole bit thinking that he was a real guy who was like just foreign and didn't understand what was going on. By the time his crying turns into a conga line, you're like, oh, this is a bit and it's funny. Yeah, it was super good. The The payoff was amazing. I also love that he, he kept silence too, like. There was a lot of times where he was just silent and oh, the yeah. audience was just kind of like chuckling. Yeah, there's dead air. Not quite sure what was happening. And even yeah. early on at this point, he was willing to break standard broadcasting, uns- you know, unspoken norms. Yeah. Which leads perfectly into the next clip. Yeah, which, which gets is, a little more awkward. Which is yeah. the biggest SNL ripoff of all time, Fridays. Yeah, which, I didn't even hear about it. It was only on this. for like a season or yeah. two. This it launched from... some big people, though. I mean, obviously you saw Andy Kaufman. You saw Michael Richards, who went yeah. on to play Kramer. And also Larry David, after he got fired from SNL, he worked on Friday. Yep. Yep. I saw that. Yeah. This one's from uh, 1981. So, Jim, why don't you lead with this? Like, have, did you ever hear of this? Did you know anything I never about heard. Uh, I think you guys were talking about how I think you guys might have mentioned something like this in the beginning, um, but I didn't hear about this. I knew nothing about it. So basically it was Kaufman and Michael Richards and. Another actress, too. I don't remember who it was. Maybe two actresses? Yes. Yeah. There were um, two couples the, on a date. Yeah, yeah. The concept of the sketch was a pretty, like, pedestrian and boring idea of these two couples on a double date. 
And throughout the dinner, they were, each of them was sneaking away to the bathroom to get high on marijuana. Yeah, it was kind of weird how they were sort of introducing the the sketch as they were going along. But I think that had to do with the Kaufman bit. I'm not completely sure, but I think it added to it. Um, but yeah, so basically, it, it appears that Kaufman doesn't remember his lines, I believe. And no. uh, I don't remember exactly he, he, what he says is he didn't feel comfortable portraying someone who's high since he's not <laughs> like a marijuana smoker. Yeah. He said he felt dumb and felt dopey. Okay. But, it, yeah. but it's live as well. Yeah. So you can't stop the tapes. So this is when the other actors start to get upset at him because yeah. they're doing their jobs. They've known the lines. They've rehearsed them. And here he <laughs> is just like in the middle of a skit bombing and purposely. Yeah. 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 And then uh, Michael Richards grabs the cue cards and puts them right in front of Andy Kaufman. And then uh, I think somebody was pulling him away. Well, he threw a glass of water in yeah. his face. Oh, yeah. That's and right. Then, and then the whole crowd got pulled in. And one of the women actresses starts to rub food from the table into Andy's hair and he gets mad. It, it was and they, they're yelling to stop show. the tapes. And you're wondering, <laughs> yeah. like, why aren't they just cutting the commercial? Because it's live. Yeah, it's. Um, because clearly it's a bit but well clearly i mean i don't know i think there's some debate when you have a person like andy kaufman involved in things like these i feel like people this is new we're looking at this in retrospect yeah he's never i believe this is his first big like stunt where there's Mm. to me there's a question of who knows it's not is it real or it's fake because obviously he knew what was going on yes The question is, who else knows? So the rumor is is that some people knew, and they get into it in the next video. We put up the apology video from the next week. But even today, the rumor is that some people knew and some didn't. So some (laughs) actors, some producers knew that it was going to happen and some didn't because they wanted to elicit real reactions. And it was like an art piece. And then that's what they explain in the apology um, segment from the producer. And Andy comes out to start to apologize. And even then, he breaks. So then... This this to me seems like scripted, like the producer knows, but it's still you still don't know from the week before. Yeah, yeah. What actually was real and not. That's true. And his take on the apology is so perfect. Like even in his admission, he actually casts further doubts on what's real yes. and what's what's not real. Yeah. So in something that should be used to clarify, he actually deeper deepens the confusion. Yeah. And whether it's real or not, it's still funny because it's so awkward and so cringeworthy. Yeah, the whole I'm not joking, you're laughing at this, it's pretty tasteless. Yeah, and he's like, What's what's wrong with you people? Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, that was really good. He and- goes on to do that in other things. I I think I accidentally left it out of this playlist, but he goes on um letterman he goes on letterman later when he talks about like he comes on and he's he doesn't smile at all and he's just talking about like how uh, he's having like problems with his spouse and this is right maybe like a year before he died of cancer and on the air he's like coughing and stuff yeah really bad so it was probably real coughs of him like being sick and the audience is laughing like riotously that's dark and and he's like why are you laughing this isn't funny well and that's the interesting thing is with him like he's so quick i feel like the coughing or like his initial reaction was probably real and then when he felt the audience laughing he rolled that into a bit yeah because i don't think he was really pissed off at the audience but he realized that that was a moment where he could take advantage of that uncomfortable laughter 
that right. he was so his, his whole appearance on that clip which i thought i had included but i didn't was to just like be sad and see how the audience reacts the mm-hmm. joke was that mm-hmm. that um, makes sense then we get to something that I, even i wasn't familiar with i think this is on the album that you I wanna, have that i don't i'm gonna i'm gonna move this to the end let's talk about this at the end of the youtube clips okay, okay. that makes sense um, so the next one is tony clifton his first TV appearance as Tony from 1977. Yeah. So, Jimmy, we did tell you about Tony Clifton yes. in the first segment. And this is the beginning. And the next video is is uh, more recent. A, a good comparison because it shows. Well, it's two short videos, but it shows the beginning of the character to who the character at became. the height of its uh, the height of Tony Clifton's power. So what did you okay. think about this, Jim? No, I thought the Tony Clifton bit was pretty good. I thought the personality was really on point and um, just I don't know. The character, I think, is if you choose to believe it's a character. Um, well, the first one is definitely Andy, Andy Kaufman. Kaufman. I mean, he doesn't yeah, have glasses absolutely. on, no prosthetics. Nope. Yeah, yeah, you he's, can definitely tell that. Yeah, it's he's him. just playing a character. Yeah. Um, but then the second one, Tony Clifton tells a hilarious joke. Yeah. Was that was interesting. You could definitely see that uh, because that actually showed Kaufman in the audience. Right. But the camera cuts to the audience. See, this wasn't yeah. live. This so was, that wasn't um, live. Andy Kaufman. That's what I special. assumed. Yeah, yeah, but you know that this is Bob's Muda as a fan. Is it? Yeah, it's definitely Bob's Muda. I could tell by the voice. Oh, oh, really? See, I, I can't. I still can't tell because I don't yeah. know. So Bob's Muda as which. Kaufman. No, Bob's Muda as Tony. Oh, okay, so that makes more sense. As, I call it Bob Tony. Bob Tony. <laughs> Andy Tony and Bob Tony. That's pretty and, and this is Bob Tony, but it's Tony Clifton at the height of his powers. He's he's so combative with the audience. He's literally against participation. Like when people are like calling back answers, he gets mad and tries to de- drag yeah. the guy on the stage. But this also highlights what Dan said earlier about like he owes him a favor for some reason. In this introduction, yeah. Andy says that he's his protege, but like <laughs> yeah. that's there's no yeah. very strange who is yeah. Tony Clifton. Like how many stand up comedians do you know that bring weird bad lounge singers <laughs> <Yeah>. on stage? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I could see Eugene Merman doing something like that. Yeah. Well, not without <laughs> Andy Kaufman doing it first that's though. Yeah. And, yep. and the other thing that I love about this clip is how they cut back to Andy. Like Andy introduces him, but then they cut back at the end of the clip mm-hmm. to just awkward uncomfortable laughter from andy as the rest of the audience is like disinterested <laughs> he's just cracking yeah. up but I that's that's why that, I, yeah. i'm pretty sure that it's he's not it's not laughing live because it, it cuts and he's just like going crazy laughing uncontrollably at yeah. a bad joke i don't know which is the joke it's it's very strange and very weird and i i kind of love it and it also ties into this mystery of is he laughing and does he bring tony clifton out because he legitimately likes him and thinks it's funny or is it this <laughs> background storyline of like he's forced to for some reason or another right is he like laughing because he's like oh i gotta laugh for this guy it's just enough it just deepens the whole weird mystery so then we get to uh kaufman's appearance on the dating game yeah which i just think it, the dating game itself is is such a good formula for hilarity mm-hmm. and the fact that he's actually on the actual dating game as this character i think is amazing so the crazy thing about this right is paul rubens also did this he went on yeah. as peewee as herman Pee-wee. when he was working out the character with the groundlings yeah yeah but at this point this is from 1978 so 
Andy Kaufman was on SNL in 1975 and Taxi was from 1978 to 82. Mm-hmm. So this is either at the beginning of Taxi or like right when it's starting. So he's not a total unknown right now. Yeah, People yeah. are aware of who he is, yeah, which yeah. I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is the other thing is if you do a little research, you find out that at this time, game shows, the dating game and some other game shows would actually use um stand-ups and like you know starting out actors as themselves but they would use it to like put a little extra oomph into their cast so in other words you get a stand-up comedian who's naturally witty and sharp and fast to be on your game show and they just inject a little humor yeah well they had andy kaufman and he (laughs) had no interest in being like funny like Oh, I'll just use little quips to make this even better. He just took over the entire segment. Yeah, it was amazing. I, I just think that because he was using that same character, the the budget. Yeah, um, that, which I I thought was great. Going back to what Dan said about his naivety, mm-hmm. na- naivete. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's exactly that's the what he does because he doesn't. Yeah. So the the premise behind this was the host. I don't know who it is. Some guy who looks like he could have been a mafioso's friend. <laughs> um, says that. Bachelor number three canceled. They just pulled this guy off the street. Obviously, so he's in on it. Real. You know that. Yeah. So, so the show's in on it. He's in on it. But I but don't. He think... doesn't understand the concept of the game. So when they ask him questions, he says, "I don't know what she looks like." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was so, so good. I don't know about you guys. It's it's not clear, but to me, it seems like the host and the producers, the people making the show, know what yes. Andy's going to do. But I don't think the other contestants. No, I don't think so. Either. Or no. the female. Nope. Or the audience know what's happening. Correct. Yeah. And um, I love towards the end was when his entire facial expression <laughs> changes, like when he thinks, when he finds out he lost. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, no, I won. I answered all the questions right. It's so good. <laughs> and he just like, he just like stumbles over there awkwardly. You're like, oh, come give her a hug and a kiss. He's like, I don't want to. <laughs> I've yeah. seen this before many times. I don't want to say like you know 20 times i've seen it a few times but this had me crying yeah i was laughing so loud at this it's so good it's probably my favorite thing that we've watched on these all everything that we've watched and i like it because a lot of people remember his negative stuff like we're gonna get to the wrestling and things like that yeah and the combativeness this is super lighthearted. it's super fun and like optimistic especially on a show like the dating game which is already like TV when TV was like super positive and all those game shows. I think he really did have two sides of his personality that he wanted to explore. He wanted to be the hero and the villain. Yeah. And you see that in other things. Right. I mean, talking about optimism, we go on to the last clip. (laughs) Right. The The Friendly World Andy Kaufman special from 1979. And it's just such a fun happy spirited song yeah bit and it goes back to him playing children's songs it goes back to him impersonating elvis that's exactly what he, i wrote down he idolized elvis and he like wanted to be like this guy mm. that everybody loved in this video jim was played at his funeral um, oh was and, it in man on the moon they kind of showed that too mm-hmm. the biopic mm. it, it but, actually wasn't this video it was filmed for his funeral he filmed a sing-along to be played right. but oh, it was, it's a song it was a song. Right. It was yeah, this yeah, song. Yeah. It was literally him speaking to camera and they did it follow the bouncing ball. Yeah. At his funeral. Oh, that's awesome. And not to get too in like too, uh, I don't know, psychological with it. But to me, 
like I always wonder when I see this stuff, is this the real Andy? Mm. He chose to have this played at his funeral. It's like this is the song and dance man, like Jeff talked about, the childlike entertainer. Yeah. Um, is this the way he wanted the world to remember him? I think so. It's just pure, unadulterated joy. He's not afraid of being corny or cliche or whatever. He brings up all these people, like his teacher, all these people onto the stage and just leads them in an optimistic sing-along. Yeah, but even at a funeral, which is, you know, a sad. The, the saddest thing that you can see, mm-hmm. for the most part, um, he wants to go out with people laughing. Exactly. That's all he wants. He just wants people to be happy. That's why I think this is the closest to the real Andy that I we I think so, too. See. And I mean, if, if you read more about his personal life or watch Man on the Moon, you see there's some darker stuff in his personal life. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say it's like evil or anything like that. He just wants people to be happy. Um, yeah, and we all have different aspects of our personality. He wasn't afraid to show the darker sides and the lighter sides. Right. Mm. And then going back to that clip, it's from... Um, I want those tapes. Yeah, so in 2013... Um, a record was released that I wasn't even on my radar. I saw it at our local record store and I bought it because it's mm-hmm. Andy Kaufman and I need it in my life. And he had recorded from and it's 19- called Andy Kaufman and his grandmother. Andy right? and his grandmother is the name of the album. Uh-huh. And th- this clip is called I Want Those Tapes because he bought a tape recorder in 1977 to 79, which at that time were expensive. Mm-hmm. But he was a famous TV star, so he can afford it. And he recorded just conversations but he was also doing weird shit, too, on there. Like, he was recording songs that you could only listen to while you were asleep, which was a very funny bit. But I put this one on here because he was talking to his girlfriend at the time, and he had recorded her saying a bunch of stuff, talking about a bunch of stuff. And she's arguing with him, like, I want those tapes. I don't want anybody else Oh, this else was Lynn? I was wondering. I don't know if it was her or another girl. Okay. At the t- I think it was a different girl because they bleep out her name. They don't say who it is. Yeah. Um... But then he's talking to somebody on the phone. It was either his lawyer or his friend. I don't think it was Bob Zamuda. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that either. It didn't sound like Bob, but that was someone that he typically bounced these ideas off of. Right. And then um, he was saying like, oh, if I release these, uh, she might kill me. And he's like, wouldn't that be great if uh, if I got killed, but if I was more famous? And they were talking about faking his own death and how funny it would be. Yeah. And listening to it. 30 years after he dies was chilling like it went mm-hmm. and this is the last track on the record so i'm listening i just sat down put on headphones put the record on listened to it side to side was laughing i was you know enjoying his comedy and this just like changed my mood at mm-hmm. the end because it's so ah it's, it's just creepy yeah it is yeah What'd you think of this, Jim? I thought it was interesting. I was confused in the beginning because I didn't really have any context it for it. It just throws you in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the whole how he's basically explaining how he's going to fake his own death. And come was... back as another person? Tony yeah. Clifton? Oh, yeah. Wouldn't it be great if she killed me? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so messed up. I don't know. It, it's really interesting to think about. Obviously, I think that he's obviously passed away a long time ago. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's definitely fun to think about the fact, though, that he was able to sow that little seed of doubt where we're even talking about. For sure. Right. Because I was with Jimmy for a long time. I was like, he's dead. Like it would be it's so funny to think about him still being alive, just like living a secret life on an Arizona farm or ranch or something. Yeah. Um, But then he comes out with this and just changes everything. And like the people who put this out, if he is alive, did he purposely hold this back until 2013? 
until 29 <laughs> years after he died? Who knows? I, I think that it, it, it's, it's just really funny for people to think that he's going to be still alive while they should be mourning him. I, th- I think that he just likes the idea of that. Yeah, he just kept the joke running. Yeah. So, yeah. And then moving on from the the lighthearted Andy that we were just talking about to the the, <laughs> the Andy ultimate that, heel, yeah, might be a villain. Um, so we watched um from Hollywood, which is a a sh- short documentary about his wrestling careers, intergender championship. wrestling championship. <laughs> yeah, that's very difficult to find online. So we also put a playlist of like the raw material that this documentary um was stitched together. Yeah. Um. So you can watch that, but we're just going to talk briefly about his the whole his wrestling, wrestling saga because it was several years of his life. It wasn't just was like it. it wasn't just like a month of time. It, yeah, it went pretty crazy. He would he would put on these wrestling events because he always wanted to be a wrestler when he was growing up. Yeah, he loved this, the high drama of it. And this is before WWF went crazy with it. Like this is before WrestleMania and before Hulk Hogan and before Andre the Giant, before everything. It was still a more regional thing. Like he makes fun of a lot of the wrestlers and the fans was, calling them like hillbillies. Yeah, and it was stuff. very popular yeah. in the South. And he would wrestle women. Some sometimes they were real, but a lot of times he would just have women come from the audience and wrestle him. And he would beat them because you know he was big and strong, which yeah. he really wasn't. Yeah. Um. So he became the intergender championship, and the the whole character was about misogyny. Yeah, and, and this was I mean was I'm a sh- creep. I'm sure that there were wrestling heels um before him. Oh but, yeah, but he really became like the first big villain. And because of his star status, he was able to bring that character to a wider audience than wrestling. It was being televised. Was. Like a lot of on wrestling wasn't televised or was on and stuff. public TV. Yeah. Um, even David Letterman wasn't as big back then, but he still was on cable. Yeah. Um, and the, the story goes that he was wrestling a woman and it was getting a little rough. And then Jerry Lawler, who we know as just like this moderator for WWF WCW, but he was, he was a popular wrestler back then. He was one of their biggest stars at that time. Jerry, the King. Yeah. He, he runs into the ring and starts beating up Andy and it just started this years long feud, which kept going on and on. So uh, Jimmy, if you want to take it from here. Yeah. So um, apparently uh, Jerry Lawler, said that Andy was suing him. Uh, I, I think at the end of the, that match, he said he was going to sue him. Well, there becomes all these weird layers, not to interrupt you, but... Yeah, sure. So, um, they have this initial fight, and Jerry Lawler performs a pile driver. Yeah. Uh, which supposedly broke Andy's neck, and then... And he, he's never seen without a brace until it heals. Like, even in public, yeah. he's always wearing yeah. a neck brace. And Andy comes out and says, listen... The whole thing was a bit, all this was a bit, Jerry knew it was a bit, but he went too far and he did the pile driver when he wasn't <laughs> supposed to. So now it's real. Yeah. And now I'm suing him. And then it just, it just keeps going. They're on Letterman. And there's doubts back and forth throughout this whole time of what's real. Um, yeah. So uh, I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't get through a lot of this. Um, I'm not a huge fan of wrestling. So this kind of stuff just kind of fell off for me. Um, I, I, I think I like the concept better than I like the actual you just, execution. What what you really have to get from this, if you don't want to watch all of the wrestling matches that are in the playlist yeah. or all of the TV bits, because there's like, there's a lot of just shit talking to the camera, you know? He's yeah. like, I'm from Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. I love that next. bit. The, the, I'm from Hollywood stuff, which is so funny. I love the fact that he's acting so entitled, uh, 
because he, he, play, he so plays far. up the fame he's just a guy from yeah, long yeah. island who was on a tv show but he plays up like i'm famous yeah. he's a coastal elite yeah <laughs> um what you really have to know is that this is just like a three or four year troll yeah like yeah. that that's what he did and there were even points i don't know if you got to it where he said that um you know he got into another feud with jimmy hart who was another big wrestler at the time mm. and then he said that he wanted to to team up with Jerry Lawler, put everything aside to beat Jimmy Hart in a tag team match. And then at the end of that, Jimmy Hart turns on Jerry Lawler. So you have these <laughs> double crosses, which I don't know. I'm not that into wrestling when I don't know when this became popular. But this is this seems to me like it could be one of the first big double crosses, which became a <laughs> staple of what made wrestling uh, entertainment great from the 80s to 90s. And there's also parts of this that made television history, like the slap on Letterman was a big deal when Jerry yeah. Lawler slaps him and knocks him out of the chair and and Andy goes crazy. I'm suing Letterman. I'm suing <laughs> Jerry Lawler. And nobody to this day will say what is real. You know, yeah. Jerry Lawler alludes that it was all in good fun and that they're great. They were great friends. And he's a good guy. But, but there's, there's also there's reports of him like being legitimately pissed off and maybe taking some of these bits further than they should have. Yeah. Right. Like Andy accused him of being like a big dumb meathead and getting carried away with the bit and actually hurting Andy. So who knows? It's somewhere in between, probably. Yeah, probably. So, yeah. Nope. Jimmy, we've prevent we've presented to you. Yeah. Both sides of Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Well, do well, you have any overall thoughts? Overall, I think. His entire career, I guess I would say, is super interesting. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, who had no idea who Kaufman was. And uh, I was kind of explaining to him like how he would just basically do these bits in real life and just totally gaslight people. And people would have no idea if it was real or not. And he was like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, just people, even just explaining Kaufman, I think is worth it, you know? I think the most impressive part is that most of this and most of what we know and have seen or heard of Andy Kaufman is from a 10 year period. And yeah. we're talking about it 40, 50 years later. Mm-hmm. He's like the Beatles. That's like 10 years too. <laughs> he did inspire a lot of the comedy that we see today. Like, oh, for sure. Jeff just referenced Eugene Merman. Yeah. And if you, um, when I was watching this, uh, the old comedy, our scene. YouTube playlist on my TV, um, it kept going. So I watched another bit thinking that Dan had added it to the playlist and I didn't know it. <clears throat> and he was um, interviewing his ex-girlfriend, Elaine uh, Boozler. <laughs> and it was like this talk show format but his table was elevated on a platform like 15 feet high. <laughs> and then the camera pans out and she's sitting down looking up at him. I'm like, this is absurd. And that is a clear inspiration of the Eric, Eric Andre, Andre show. show. Oh, um, yeah. He inspired Tom Green by doing like man on the street stuff. Yep. Like He didn't necessarily go out on the streets and record people. But Tom Green did that with his parents. He would do all this crazy stuff. And they took mm-hmm. it to Sasha another Barone level. Cohen. Exactly. You're talking about yeah. eliciting comedy from unknowing participants like. That's a huge thing. Like, yeah, it's just he was absolutely a pioneer. It, it It's insane. The the amount of stuff that he did. And like what you said, a 10 year period. Yeah. Fellas, I have a question. OK. We're at the end of the episode now. Episode 150. Episode 150. We just heard the entire episode. We just recorded the entire episode. Was I able to talk you into Andy Kaufman? Talking myself into a comedian, artist, uh, person, uh, Andy Kaufman. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I've I've heard his name like, you know, over the years. I've heard comedians that I listen to or enjoy. 
mention him as an inspiration as he like a stand-up not really it's kind of like so you know how like late night hosts used to all be stand-ups right and now they're kind of all like sketch artists yeah this is like the next level in that evolution it's not really like stand-up or sketch it's kind of he's just kind of like a surrealist kind of like i would say a a more mature like tom green so he's like a new guy coming up no, no, he's, this is he died a long time ago. Oh. He's like from the 70s, 80s, I think. Oh, I've geez. never heard the name. Yeah, yeah it sounds kind of familiar. But... I don't know. I mean, that's why I'm talking myself into him. I'm learning more about him and some of like the gags he did. Mm. Um, he was kind of a musician, kind of just like a performer. So I'm, I'm starting to dig deep into things he's done. Like, I think he was in a couple movies that didn't do that well. Mm. Um, he might've been in a sitcom, I think. So I'm gonna, I'm just, I'm looking more into him. What I've seen so far is pretty funny. Like with, um, you know, knowing the context of what he was doing Mm. at the time, maybe I wouldn't have been into him. Mm. I think a lot of people didn't understand what he was doing when he was doing it only later realized like, Oh wow, that was actually pretty, you know, ingenious or never heard of him, but a pioneer might have to do an episode on it. Maybe. Well, hello, children. It's your old pal, Dan. And I'd like to thank you on behalf of Jeff and Jimmy and myself for joining us to celebrate our 150th episode. And we thought, what better way to celebrate than a sing-along, a good old-fashioned sing-along to bring us all together. So I'm going to sing it through the first time, and you join me on the reprise. Here we go. You ready? In this friendly, friendly world With each day so full of joy Why should any heart be lonely? In this friendly, friendly world With each night so full of dreams Why should any scary you know i don't have the best voice in the world so i really need you guys to join in with me here flip to the show notes and you'll find the lyrics and please sing out loud sing it proud ready here we go in this friendly friendly world with each day so full of joy here we go why should any heart be lonely? Oh, bad notes there. Okay. In this friendly, friendly world. Sing it loud and proud with each night so 
the big part. You ready? I guess. The world is such a wonderful place to wander through when you've got someone you love to wander along with you with you with the sky so full of stars and the river so full of song every heart should be so Let's wrap it up. You ready? Thankful for this friendly, friendly world. Oh, 150, 150, 150 episodes. Guys, I think I quit. <laughs>